Ready, set, go! Welcome to the EV Diaries, your home for EVs in small town America. So, as you know, Louisville is the largest city in Kentucky, and it's about a two and a half hour drive away from where I live. Um, and if you notice, I pronounce it Louisville. Uh, some people from around here pronounce it Louisville, um, and that's all right. They can be wrong. Um, but whatever you do, do not pronounce it Louisville because that's not a thing. Louisville is home of KFC. Um, actually, the first one was here in Laurel County where I live, but it is in Corbin, North Corbin, which is about 12 miles south of London where I live. Um, Louisville is the gateway to bourbon country, although most bourbons actually uh, made out in the country and not in the city of Louisville. Um, Louisville gave us Jennifer Lawrence uh, from the Hunger Games, Muhammad Ali, and Artemis Powell, uh, for all you Skinner fans. It's also the home of Evolve Kentucky, which is the state's premier EV group, and Evolve Kentucky was started by Stuart Unger, or as he likes to be called, Stu. The reason I mention Stuart is because he has launched a new podcast called Stu's EV Universe. I've listened to the first episode and I wanted to, first of all, welcome him to the EV podcast genre, and I wanted to know, uh, let you know about his launch. Um, he's a longtime EV owner, and um, he is a fount of information. Actually, Evolve Kentucky is the educational resource that I hope eventually that the EV Diaries becomes, so I just wanted to let you know this new podcast is out there, and uh, you should give him a listen. Um, it's Stu's EV Universe, and it's on most major platforms. Last time, I talked about my winter driving issues, and since then, things haven't gotten any better. Um, as you may know from watching the news, there has been a major winter storm stretching from Texas all the way up through New England and southeastern Kentucky. All of Kentucky is right in the path. Obviously, if you've seen any news at all, you know the failure of the Texas grid. It's all over the news. And since I work for a utility, I wanted to explore that a little bit more. So to get you up to speed, in Texas, right now, today, as of a few minutes ago, this is, uh, by the way, this is Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. Um, there's two and a half million people without power in Texas. Um, last week, well... Late last week, early this week, when all this started, um, there was a 133-car pileup that killed six people because the roads are slick. People in Texas are not used to driving on ice and snow, so it's created some havoc. In Houston, they've seen over 300 cases of carbon monoxide poisoning because people have been either trying to stay warm 
in their cars or improperly using generators. Um, at least two have died. And the real question on everybody's mind is what has contributed to this? Well, the biggest failure has been that their generation for electricity has was completely uh, unprepared for cold weather. Um, and I don't know if we've mentioned it or got into it too much. I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it, that there are essentially three grids in America. You've got the eastern grid, which goes to the Rocky Mountains. On the other side of the Rocky Mountains, you've got the western grid. And then you have Texas has its own grid. And this is, this is where the problem has originated. Understand that Texas is a natural gas state. And I don't know a whole lot about natural gas generation, but apparently it's not designed to work well in colder weather. Um, natural gas is apparently harder to pump out of the ground. Now, this makes sense to me because I've seen uh, instances with our landfill methane generators in Kentucky that they are heavily uh, weather dependent. I mean, even um, copious amounts of rain can hamper gas production in the landfill. So I imagine in Texas, trying to pump cold gas out of the cold ground can be a challenge. Um, there's no storage or not much gas storage in, in Texas because they pump it as they need it. Um, this has led to these widespread outages um, and what little generation that they've been able to produce, they're having to meet out um, accordingly. So you've got places that are have electricity, but you're looking at one to two hour rolling blackouts because they're trying to shed load as they deal with all this. Um, so that's one component is that it's hard to get the fuel that they're using. Second component is the forecasting. Uh, Texas is a summer peaking state. All of their generation, um, you know, it, it flies high in, in summer and course it's easier to pump gas in summer but with all the air conditioning load and the summer heat you know they're they're used to dealing with that they were not prepared to handle a summer like load in the winter and that's exactly what they're facing it basically comes down to who would have thought but here we are a third thing that has contributed is failure of renewables apparently They've got ice on their windmills, so they can't turn, um, which is just insane. Um, I would imagine that snow on solar arrays probably not uh, not helpful. And, um, you know, these failure of renewables, though, are no different than fossil failures. Um, because, let's face it, often those are unexpected and look at the case of the natural gas. I mean, there you go. Nobody was expecting this. A fourth thing that may or may not be contributing is the class of equipment. Um, it may not, like I said, uh, be part of the problem in Texas, but we do see it here in Kentucky. Poles, 
wires and equipment are rated differently. Um, they use stronger classes where ice and snow is a problem or heavy winds. Look at it this way. It's just like a roof in Texas is more likely to sustain hurricane winds than collapsing under the weight of snow. Um, again, it may not be a problem in Texas, but I know it is here. Now, the question you may be thinking is, well, why not make everything stronger or put everything underground? That's cost prohibitive. Keep in mind that we're dealing with other people's money and it's limited. Moving forward, I expect things to change in Texas, and I think EVs can actually help that. Uh, this is EV podcast, so we had to talk about EVs at some point. Um, first of all, winterizing power plants is going to become a thing. Um, obviously, they're going to have to have some backup power to pump because right now, electric pumps are used to pump the gas to make the electricity that is used to power the pumps in the first place. Wrap your head around that. It still won't fix the issue that it's harder to get the gas out of the ground, but at least they'll have to do something to make these more hardy and colder conditions. Storage may become a thing, but how much gas storage will you need to have to get five million people through a week-long event like this. Um, I expect you'll probably see more house installations, uh, some sort of generation backup or battery backup, maybe some solar. Um, you'll see that at the residential level, I'm sure. You might see an expansion of uh, nuclear power, and even that being said, uh, the nuclear power plants that are in Texas, uh, they've been having issues this week too. I said that EVs could help, and here is my thoughts on that. If there was an influx of EVs, it would create a higher demand year-round, and it might actually possibly be higher in the winter due to the decreased efficiency in cold weather. Um, so, that would change the whole forecasting element that went into this um, this mess that Texas is experiencing. If nothing else, it may reduce the amount of uh, carbon monoxide poisoning uh, that people are, are experiencing. Either way, I do expect that uh, cells of battery backup and generators are going to take off. Um, we saw the same thing after the 2009 ice storm here in Kentucky. Um, you couldn't find a, a portable generator uh, for a long, long time. All in all, Texas is in a bad situation and uh, there's going to be many lessons learned. Now, continuing the weather report, um, Kentucky is still reeling from winter weather. Now, if you remember last time, uh, I mentioned that right then in Kentucky, you had 24,000 people that were out, down from the 70,000 people that were out earlier that week. Um, but I did tell you that we had another round on the way. Well, the other round hit. Um, right now in Kentucky, um, we have 100,000 people without power, and it's mostly due to ice and 
many of that, 100,000 people, are part of the 24,000 people that I mentioned last week. Also of that 100,000, right now, um, my cooperative has uh, 18,000 members out, and uh, that is down from about 30,000 yesterday. Um, Anyway, we've got crews working 24-7, and actually we've got uh, 72 other co-op workers from Georgia arrived yesterday. We've got substations that are out because of transmission outages. We've had broken poles, numerous lines down, and we're really optimistic for today because there will be 200 people out in the field trying to restore power. You see, ice is particularly bad. Um, Now, we have a 30-foot right-of-way, which means that our, our lines, we've got at least 15 feet on each side for this clear where we practice vegetation management. Unfortunately, the trees on either side of this space grow higher than that, so when ice pulls these trees over, it can get branches into the line or it brings them down entirely, which snaps the lines in two, causing an outage. Keep in mind, and you might not know this, uh, so here we go. Electric lines are designed to break. And the reason is, electric wires are easy to splice. The problem is, first of all, you gotta find it. Second of all, you gotta fix it. And unfortunately, in southeastern Kentucky, it might be in the head of nowhere, um, especially uh, the parts that run through the National Forest, and it takes a while to get there and fix it. But once you get there, it's easy fix. Broken poles are a bigger issue. Obviously, they take longer to fix. You may be asking, how can ice break a pole if the wires are designed to break? Well, we have joint-use poles, which means that we also have phone and cable on the same poles. Now, phone and cable have a steel reinforced carrier so that they do not break. Um, because phone and cable are infinitely harder to try to splice back together than an electric line. So what happens is a tree will fall through our lines and break, and then they catch the phone and cable, which don't break, putting strains on the pole, and uh, oftentimes at the attachment points, uh, the pole will snap. So now you know. But... Let me go back, saving the best for last. We, and when I say we, state of Kentucky, primarily the southeastern part of it, uh, southeastern and central part, is expecting more ice and winter weather tonight, like I said, it's Wednesday, into Friday evening. So far, up to now, I've been fortunate we've not seen any outages at my house. Uh, the internet's kept working, um, but I have been providing updates to my family and friends that their outages are going on now. It's been at least a day or two. Um, right now, the roads are nearly impassable. Um, it's one of those situations you don't get out unless you absolutely have to get out. Um, I went to my mother-in-law's uh, Monday evening, right when all of this was starting, 
um, right when everything was starting to change over from just rain to ice. And uh, on the way home, it took us 45 minutes to go all of three miles. I was fortunate because I had done some creative route planning to get back so we didn't have to climb any of the major hills. When I got back to my subdivision, the hill that I have to climb out of uh, to get to the ridge, and the ridge was slick, by the way, um, our neighbors were actually out, the entire neighborhood, salting the hillside so that people could get home. Um, it was uh, it was insanely slick. Um, we actually parked at the top of the hill and walked through yards down to our house, and then once the hill was a little cleared off, then uh, I went back up to the top of the hill to drive our car and get it in the driveway. I've said all that to say that walking through the grass was one thing, but when we were crossing driveways and then eventually had to cross the road, you could barely stand up. I mean, it was seriously Bambi on ice. All right, well, I've talked enough about the weather right now. I'm going to leave you with a few things. If you find yourself in an outage situation, it's a good idea to turn off all your lights except for one or two so that you'll know when electricity comes back on. If you had any appliances on like the stove or the oven, uh, go ahead and turn those off because when the electricity comes back on, um, you don't want that, that draw. Um, what we deal with with a lot of extended outage situations is what is known as cold load pickup. And it's basically when everything comes back on, there's an inrush of current to all these devices that have been off. Um, and that creates a, a large drain. And sometimes just that inrush itself can cause fuses to blow and, and create more problems. Um, another thing along those lines, if you have a manual thermostat, um, turn it down. Again, it all goes back to the cold load pickup. If you have an outage, call your utility, unless you know that it's part of a rolling blackout or a, um, a planned outage. Um, if you see a wire down, and this is, this is important because um, I got a phone call on this the other day. If you see a wire down, assume it's energized. And I don't even care if it's, it's phone or cable. Let's just assume that any wire that is laying on the ground is energized and stay away from it and report it immediately. Um, either call your utility or call 911 um, because that can be extremely dangerous and for goodness sakes, don't drive over it. That's all I have for today. Wherever you are, if you have electricity, be grateful for it. If you're warm, give thanks. And if you're one of those that are without either one right now, Stay warm, stay safe, and if you can, seek shelter somewhere else. Um, I know that emergencies tend to bring out the best in a lot of people, so I'm sure that somewhere there's help uh, to help get you out of imminent danger of, of the cold and the weather. All right, uh, check out Stu's EV Universe. Hit that subscribe button. And remember, the EV revolution is here. Maybe iced over this week, but uh, it's still a fun ride. 